into week two, and we wanted to give you guys our waiver wire pickups that you need to consider making, including our top five. Yeah, it's exciting to get back to football today. I mean, this is a week two waiver wire, but really week one's uh, finished tonight. And uh, it's been good to watch football. It's been exciting to get back to it. Now, as we begin the video, we want to let you know right away, we take a little bit different approach than a lot of sites out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of giving you a, a guy that's 95% available that you can probably grab, but a guy that carries a lot more risk. Because, um, yeah, you know, you can swing for the fence. You might hit a home run. You might strike out. Here's what we chose to do. We'll often give you a lot of guys that maybe only be 25, 30, or 40% available, but we believe this. They carry a lot less risk. They're a lot more reliable. They have a safer floor. And if we give you 10 guys at the running back position that are 20% available, I guarantee you can find one. So that's kind of the approach we take that's a little bit different um, as we approach that. The other thing we always say when it comes to waiver wire, never leave dead weight on your bench. If you went out today and you crushed it and your team's great, you're starting lineup, that's wonderful. But always look at your bench players. And the final thing is that you got to take this information and contextualize it for your league. There's too much to consider. League size, scoring system, is it redraft, is it dynasty? So once again, uh, we can't do a one-size-fits-all. You have to take this, you got to flex it into your league a little bit. So, Yeah, exactly. Uh, waiver wire changes even from week to week. The first couple weeks of your fantasy season, if a guy is talented, you pick him up, even if he's got a tough matchup. But towards the end of the season, you're just buying week to week to try to get into the playoffs and then try to win your playoff games. And so then it becomes more matchup based. But you want a little bit of both of that on both ends of the spectrum. And of course, like you said, scoring and league and there's so many things to consider so we're going to try to give you a ton of options here's the process for today's video we're going to give you our top five waiver wire claims that you need to consider and then after those five we're going to get into it by position there will be timestamps down in the description and as always feel free to leave a comment so we can give you guys some more help if you have further questions or concerns no no don't feel free to leave a comment i would say please leave a comment thank you (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know what? Let's get right into it. Let's get into our top five. All right. So the number one guy or, you know, one of the top five, I suppose, order doesn't matter um, that we're most excited about. It's got to be Eli Mitchell early in the season looking for young, talented running backs. And he seems to be the guy right now. Why don't you break it down for us, Rob? Yeah. Rookie running back for San Francisco. He's 98% available in leagues. That's really available out there. Um, I, and I love that about football early in the year like this, the uncertainty. There's always that guy that comes out of nowhere, and, mm-hmm. and I love it. I enjoyed that so much. Anyway, so the day started kind of surprising when, for a lot of people, we were shocked to find that Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch. I think that surprised a lot of people. We felt like he was going to be in the mix there. Then, lo and behold, Raheem Mostar goes out, starts the game, and what happens? If you know him, he gets injured. Um, Mitchell goes on to have a very nice game. He has 19 carries, 105 yards, and 5.5 yards per carry. He's a six-round pick out of Louisiana. They talked about his strengths a little bit because I, I knew something of him, but I didn't know a lot about him specifically. So I did some research today just to know this guy a little bit better and wonder, is he a more viable long-term solution? Well, here's what they said about his strengths coming out of college there at Louisiana. Um, he was consistently productive. And I like that. This guy's not a flash in the pan. He's got good size, body composition. I mean, he's well built well. He's solid. He can take a physical beating, things like that. He can take the carries. He plays through he plays through arm tackles, and I think that's important. Uh, fights through contact. He's good gut balance. Means he can extend runs. Um, and these next two are vital. If you want to be in a Shanahan offense, you got to build these next two. And one, um, he's a functional pass catching back. I mean, he's decent there. You can play him on third down passing situation. He doesn't have to sit down. He's not like Derrick Henry. And the other thing, he's very good in pass protection. So that's important if you want to get in the lineup there and play in those offenses there. Now, someone on to say the criticism from out of college saying he didn't have breakaway speed. But I tell you what, on that 38-yard touchdown run today, he looked fast enough, okay? Yeah. Uh, he beat a lot of guys there, so I think his speed is not an issue. Um, now, here's the thing I want to consider when we look at him. Um, 
The sermon was a scratch today, but he's going to get some looks. He's a rookie running back who's got talent. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to talk about is Mostar. It looks like his knee injury may not be serious. It may not be season-ending anyways. And so um, what does that look like for uh, Mitchell here? Is he going to be the guy long-term? Well, I'll, I'll say this about Mostar. So after 2019, he went that year. He teased everybody. looked like, God, this guy looked amazing. What can he do as a starter for a full season? And then last year, the guy just could not stay on the field. He couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he's not a big back at 205. And so I think that you look at Eli, uh, he's a guy that you definitely have to stash or at worst handcuff Mostart or if you've got Sermon or somebody like that. Um, here's what I think. When you look at Mitchell, I don't think he's going to become your – if you had a bad draft and your running backs aren't looking very good, he's not going to become your running back to savior for the year. Okay, I just don't believe that's going to happen there. But it's a position, running backs, where it's so hard to find good guys. Mm-hmm. That's hard to find good options. You're going to have injuries coming up by weeks. So you cannot ignore his start. In most leagues, he will be the number one waiver wire pick this week. Um, and you're going to see, like, at wide receiver, there's a lot of good options out there. So he's a guy that you definitely got to pick up. I'm not really sure. I don't want to just say I'm all in on this guy after one week. But he looks good. He looks excitable. And, and even though he's a little bit smaller, you know who else was smaller that was really, really good as a fantasy back? Jamal Charles. Yeah. So uh, definitely a guy you got to pick up. Running back is so hard to find. Yeah, exactly. You take a look at the volume. 19 carries, that's a lot of carries, especially for a guy who wasn't really expected to get that many carries. And he handled it well. They put up big points. What are they finishing with? Uh, 41 points San Francisco did. Now, not every matchup is going to be against the Detroit Lions, right? You're not exactly going to get that every week. But he proved himself once. And you do have to imagine that, you know, they were a little surprised by that. And maybe in the future, they want to continue to give him that many looks, right? Um, not necessarily going to have a perfect matchup every single week, but... This was not the perfect matchup. And again, just the thought that they weren't really expecting to use him like that until Mostert went down. But uh, that's a breakdown for huge upside with that guy. I think you're kicking yourself if you don't go out there and pick him up. So number two guy in the list of our top five that we have right now, and it's hard to believe it's a quarterback, so we tend to push quarterbacks out a little bit. But this guy you can't ignore. Um, a lot of you are excited, right? And shocked when Taysom Hill wasn't the starter. And they made Jameis Winston a starter. But today, maybe we know why the coach mm-hmm. made that decision. He's our number two guy right now. It's Jameis Winston. So why don't you get it and share a little bit about him and why we think he's a guy that you can trust. Yeah, wow. Goes into a matchup against the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, gave up the fourth fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks last year. So that is not a terrible defense. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I wouldn't consider them an elite. But we want to point out the fact that they were above average last year, pretty significantly, at least statistically. He goes out there against them and throws five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he only needs 150 passing yards to get those five touchdowns. So before I say anything else, does anyone know who gave Jameis Winston the LASIK eye surgery? Because I want to find that person for me. Because I just imagine I might have a shot in the NFL. That's all it took. (laughs) That's all it took. But really, he went out there and he proved himself today. He was phenomenal. Like, if you're a Saints fan and you were confused about them not picking Taysom Hill, you got to admit they made the right call. I mean, as much as you might like Taysom Hill, do you really think he would have had five touchdowns in that game? I don't think so. He played phenomenal. Now, interestingly enough, they were pretty heavy on the run. 37 carries, including 31 of those carries by just running backs. They mixed in some other guys like quarterbacks in there for the running game, but 37 carries in a game is a lot. What that tells us is, yeah, he was highly efficient in the touchdown category, and he's not going to have that high of a touchdown percentage, but he could also throw the ball a lot more. He only threw the ball 20 times last game, and he completed 14 of them, so he was very effective. And in a game where maybe they need to 
need to score more points, need to throw the ball more, that's going to help boost that up. So I imagine that's going to balance out somewhat. Certainly, he's not going to be throwing three or four or five touchdowns every single game, but he really surprised us. Furthermore, he wasn't the only one surprised us. A guy by the name of Jawan Johnson really stepped up and went out for two touchdowns this game. Though I should point out that no player on that team had more than three catches. If there's one weakness to Jameis Winston still, it's that he does not have a clear-cut number one weapon in the passing game at the moment. Of course, yeah, but you know that's also why you can trust him because he doesn't have a number one guy. But he will soon, and that guy is not a chump, is he? He's pretty good. What's his name? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. So, so that's good and the bad with it, but uh, he's going to come back. It's only going to make him even better. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people forget this guy's not a chump. He's a former first-round pick, first overall. He's mm-hmm. got talent. So, Yeah, absolutely. Again, 58% available, and next week's going to be another good week for him. Next week, they go up against the Panthers. The Panthers gave up two passing touchdowns to rookie Zach Wilson in his NFL debut. And let's be honest, the Jets' offense didn't look good. They just didn't. So for them to give up a couple touchdowns to Zach Wilson, I'm going to imagine Jameis Winston can do a bit better. Um, Not going to drag this on forever, but plain and simple, this is one of those guys every year a quarterback comes out in the first week or two of the season and proves to us that he is a legit starter in fantasy. And for this year, it seems like it's going to be Jameis Winston. So I want you to leave a comment there. What was more surprising to you, Jameis Winston's performance or Aaron Rodgers' performance in that game. Honestly, I want to hear which was more shocking to you because I can't quite figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let's move on to our next guy. Love Jameis Winston, though. So our number three guy on our list here is Jalen Rager, wide receiver for Philadelphia. Former first-round pick. Now, it's kind of early to, to put a wide receiver out there. There's a lot of good options. Why do we have him in our top five? Well, uh, one, he's very talented. And you'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, if you're in a dynasty league, this is a guy, don't forget, we have such short memories in this league. So mm-hmm. he's a guy that you need to take a look at. Break down why he's our number three guy and why in particular he's got even more value in dynasty leagues. Yeah, so first thing, I love you put it out there. So he's 79% available. He's going to be an option for a lot of you. Not all of you, but most of you. And he's a former first-round pick. That tells us that every team looked at him in the combine and everything that they measured from him said success. He didn't find too much success, at least fantasy-wise, his rookie year. But let's be honest, nobody for the Philadelphia Eagles really seemed to find any level of success last year. So can you blame him? Certainly, he was a guy who had an underdeveloped quarterback and maybe a little bit underdeveloped skills. He's a rookie. He needed time to develop, and so did his quarterback. And so he was seeing attention from defenses, essentially as the wide receiver one, with a quarterback who was not really getting it done in a lot of ways. Now they've had this entire offseason. They got another solid wide receiver there in Devonta Smith, and their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, really stepped it up this game. So let's bring it down. He caught six for six. 49 yards and a touchdown. Now, 49 yards is not a lot, and I'd really like to see him make some bigger, deeper plays. But you can't ask for that every week. I mean, you know how it is in the NFL. You can only burn cornerbacks and safety so many times. You cannot be so yard-obsessed. Sure, it's really fun to watch a wide receiver go for 150-plus yards or 200 yards, but how often does that really happen? Uh, So what really stood out to me was that he caught all six of his targets. That is really... Plain and simple, you already know this, efficient, and it shows us how effective he can be. Now, again, the Eagles just put up 32 points, and the thing that I really liked about him, because he emerged, he showed some potential and some talent, but it's really going to depend on his quarterback play. We needed to see that Jalen Hurts could step up from year one to year two, and 
if this last game was an indicator at all, Hertz did. He completed 27 of his 35 passes for 264 yards, three TDs, and zero interceptions. That gave him a quarterback rating of 126. And oh yeah, as he always is, because that's what Jalen Hurts does, he was a dual threat. His seven carries went for 62 yards. That's 8.9 yards per carry. That is a great situation. And if you're worried about what next week is going to look like for him, he gets to go up against the San Francisco 49ers, who again, just gave up 33 points to the Lions offense. The Lions, by the way, had three players to catch eight passes. Eight passes is a pretty high mark, so there is certainly going to be room there. And Devonta Smith was more than good enough to at least mean that Jalen Ragor was not seeing super mega attention, not seeing constant double teams. In fact, Smith went off for six catches, 71 yards in the TD, but couldn't really put him in a waiver wire video as he was too highly owned. But Jalen Ragor, man, again, former first round pick. Let's not forget, like, I think in the past couple of years, you know, Ever since like A.J. Green and Julio Jones came in the league, we've gotten used to wide receivers performing from day one. That's not always the case. For one, take a look back at even Justin Jefferson's phenomenal season. It took him a couple weeks to get the ball rolling. Or classics like, um, and I believe you mentioned this before, Chris Carter was like, what, 27 before he had his first 1,000-yard receiving season? Like, don't be impatient, guys. Sometimes it takes a little while, and maybe this was the amount of time it took for him one year to kind of get into the league. Yeah, when I first started playing fantasy football, there was this idea that uh, it took a wide receiver three years, and the third year is when he really blossomed. The other thing I'd say is his yardage totals weren't really high today, but part of that was the fact that in the second half, they didn't have to push the ball downfield because they're playing the very inept Atlanta Falcons. In fact, I would say this right now, Atlanta didn't look good. Um, the Jaguars didn't look good, but at least the Jaguars have a young rookie quarterback and they got some hope there. If you're Atlanta, you have to be really discouraged after what you saw today. So could that be part of the reason why the yardage totals weren't there, possibly? Well, here's what Atlanta was doing. They, they saw a quarterback who wasn't in the draft yet, so they wanted to tank one more year so they could get that quarterback. That's, I'm, that's my theory. I don't know. Maybe that's just it. But at least they got Kyle Pitts, who had four catches. Uh, but let's move on to our next guy. So now down to what we call like our number four top wave warrior claim. This guy's not sexy, excited. He's not young. He doesn't have a lot of upside. But I tell you what. In fantasy football, running backs win you championships, and at some point here, you're going to need it. Injuries, bye weeks, etc. You cannot overlook this guy. And so let's kick it to you. The guy that we're going to talk about is Mark Ingram, the running back for the Houston Texans. Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about there. But before I say anything, I want to address the fact that you referred to him as not sexy. This implies that you find other men sexy. Not all of them, but some. <laughs> well, the guys help me win my fantasy league, I do, yeah. So just don't tell my wife. No. <laughs> so anyways, taking a look at him, 82% available. I love that. We joked about this earlier, but a guy goes out and have a big week, and they'll be like, you need to pick this guy up. He threw for five touchdowns. His name is Pat Mahomes, and if he's available in your league, it's like, okay, well, we want to find guys for you that are highly available, but are still worth it, right? And I think this is a good balance between the two. He's not exciting. There's nothing there that you're going to go like, man, he could be the next Christian McCaffrey. Like, with him, you know what you're getting. But he had 26 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. That's really hard to argue with. Post-draft off the waiver wire, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. That's volume, and that's a touchdown. They say touchdowns are king. And, of course, it's nice to have a guy who's getting the ball a lot. Now, his yards per carry wasn't great. 3.3 yards per carry, not pretty. But that's okay. Again, you're not drafting him to be your, your running back one. You're not drafting him to be Saquon Barkley or whoever it may be. You're drafting him to fill a spot on your bench to be there for a rainy day when you have running backs on bye weeks, when you have running backs who have injuries, when a guy is just 
you know, in a really bad matchup and hasn't been performing well recently. Whatever it may be, he fills that role. Breaking down the last game and kind of how he did what he did, uh, they beat the terrible Jaguars 37-21. to But it was actually more of a blowout than that. In fact, in the third quarter, they were up 34-7. to um, So he got tons and tons of carries. This tells us two things. One, because they were up by so much, that's why he got a lot of his carries. And he's not likely to get that many carries again. But that also says that Jaguars kind of knew they were going to run the ball. They were trying to slow the clock down, run it out, and play it safe. And so they probably loaded the box a lot more. Now, I watched all 16 games. I had my mind on a lot of different things, even tried to get a workout in today, which was a mess and a disaster. So I didn't get to watch a ton of the plays from Jacksonville, but it kind of seemed like you know they knew that that running game was going to be heavy. So kind of played a lot against that. Ultimately, his longest run was for 11 yards. But he had 63% of the carries. This is a guy you need to pick up, not because he's exciting, but because, hey, and you know, maybe you want to talk about that, might as well keep him off somebody else's team, right? Yeah, you know what? It's not just about your starting lineup. You've got to have guys on the bench. One, it might be trade bait. Maybe you take him, a wide receiver that you have, you package it together, or you keep it off an opponent that later on is going to need a running back. So it's so important. The other thing I want to say with him is this is a guy that when he played for New Orleans shows, he can catch the ball in the backfield. And so he's a guy that you can keep on there in third down. So mm-hmm. um, you're smiling at me like you have something to say. Yeah, no, exactly. I had one more thing to say, which I almost forgot. So I was like, okay, happy I let you talk for a second so I could, could not forget it. Um, but yeah, not exciting pick. Got to pick him up. And I'll say this. He'll disappoint you next week. They're going to go against a very good Browns team that just held Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to 3.1 yards per carry and no scores on the ground. Ultimately, again, pick him up. If he has a bad week next week, don't hit the panic button. Understand that that's just what that week is going to be like for him. Um, And that's just it. You, You get excited and then you fall off and... Sometimes you can kind of jump around those waivers a little bit too much, but the fact of the matter is he proved himself in the preseason. We heard some rumors, but this week he really proved himself. What we heard is true. He is the RB1 in that offense, and thus he needs to be rostered in every single league, I suppose unless you're in like a really small six-team league or something like that. But any standard league size, definitely pick him up. All right, so the fifth of the five guys that you need to consider picking up has got to be Jawan Johnson. Mentioned him earlier when we talked about Jameis Winston. This guy showed flashes of brilliance. Rob, break it down for us. Okay, so I'm really excited to talk about this guy. Some are going to think this is a stretch. But I want to tell you this. This is a guy that's really a wide receiver that qualifies as a tight end in most leagues. And some are going to think, well, I'm reacting today because he had two touchdowns. That's not the case. He's been on my radar for a while. In fact, if you look at I'm in two leagues that require tight ends, and he's been stashed on my bench. So I love that he came out today and got two touchdowns, right? Um, a few things I think it's important that you know a little bit about who he is and what happened. He played last year, 2020. He didn't play a lot, but he's a big guy, 6'4", 230, converted to tight end. Um, in a lot of leagues, once again, you can play him in that position. I love it. Now, when you look at uh, guys who were converted that came in as wide receivers and they converted tight ends, is there anybody that comes to mind for you? Not really. There's one guy, Darren Waller. Wow. Exact same guy there. So, you know, you look at the potential upside of a guy like him and what he could become for you if you're in a league that you have to start tight ends. Yes, are there question marks? Undoubtedly. He's got a lower floor because of it. But he's also got a higher ceiling, and the potential's there simply because right now they don't have a stud tight end. They don't have a lot of studs there. I mean, they don't have a really legit number two guy at wide receiver. And until uh, Michael Thomas comes back, there's going to be targets to spread around there. So, yeah, there are question marks there. But I love the fact that he's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who is a, really a wide receiver, got the speed, things like that, playing a tight end position. 
And I think what that means for us, some people would say, well, aren't you big on Troutman? Do you think he's going to be the guy? Actually, I'm not that big on it, but let's pretend he does come out and he really moves up and he becomes a very good tight end there because his hybrid position for Johnson, mm-hmm. he's a guy that will probably see the field not just as tight end, but also at times a wide receiver. He'll line up. He'll get a lot of touches there. Today he goes out. He has three catches, 21 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, he looked great. He actually might have had better numbers, but they absolutely destroyed the Packers. Uh, it was a joke, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so this is a guy that... That one position of tight end, it is not, it's it's not a strong position. It's really thin. It falls off pretty quickly. So I would rather, if you don't have a top, you know, three, four, or five guy, why not take a chance on this guy? If he doesn't work out, no big deal. You can stream anyways. There's only a few guys that you could have right now that are locks. Travis Kelsey, who else? So uh, he's a guy that I, I love just rolling the dice on. I think he could be huge. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you got a tight end, pick him up. And you know what? If he continues to be good, you can trade that tight end away. It's called trade bait. Simply put talent on your bench. I don't care who that talent is. And I love it. We talk about really good tight ends being mismatches. He is more of a mismatch than other tight ends will ever be. He has the size of a tight end, but most of those tight ends didn't get to practice with the wide receivers and learn to run wide receiver routes and have those hands and have those capabilities. A lot of tight ends get stuck training in their college years blocking. Like, they clearly are not going to expect him to be a big blocking tight end. He will be the outside tight end, and he is going to have that role. And I love what you said. Okay, Adam Troutman plays well. Worst thing that happens is nothing. They still need a wide receiver. They still need a guy in that role. Huge upside there. I think of all these guys, you know, considering he qualifies as a tight end, definitely definitely pick him up it almost feels a bit cheaty like when you used to be able to i remember there were a few weeks where you could play um toys what's the saints quarterback name their backup um, uh Taysom hill Taysom hill Taysom hill when you when he was technically a tight end but he was starting at quarterback and you could start him in your yeah. tight end spot and he would throw you three touchdowns that's kind of what it feels like it almost feels a little wrong but you're gonna do it anyways and you're gonna enjoy it so he's a guy yeah i definitely consider this guy i liked him going to this week and i love that he was on my bench so hopefully i'm onto something there well exactly and and i love that you point that out there one kudos to you you picked him up in both leagues and i couldn't quite justify it and i wish that i had i felt maybe a little too good about my draft and i guess that's the overconfidence of my draft and, and arrogance but yeah that's something for people like this wasn't a surprise to you and the fact that it wasn't a surprise tells us maybe it's a little more repeatable and predictable than they might feel like it is because i get it a guy goes out and has a big day but does it, is he going to repeat it was that a fluke do i make the move to get him now make the move to get him you can feel comfortable in that he's certainly not a guarantee but i think he's got good chances to continue what he's been working on so here we are. We're going to get to our quarterbacks. Now, we did our top five waiver wire. Guys, we think they should be in that order, your first five guys. Now we're going to go by position if you're looking for somebody else. Now, the one thing we'd say, we recorded this Sunday night, so uh, there could be some things Monday morning injury-wise or Monday night game things could change, but this is what we're giving you as of tonight. Now, before I get into this, there's a lot of things we want to consider. The quarterback's in one position where I think it's easy to stream. We always say there's values out there, um, and a lot of it is matchup-based. But let's kick it to you. you got our first guy when it comes to quarterbacks. Talk about who your number one guy is. Yeah, so we got to go with Jared Goff. Okay, now that the boos are over, um, let me put it out there for you. No, don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. No, I don't think that this team is great. Sometimes, that's just the secret the secret sauce to what you need to get fantasy points. So breaking it down, he is 93% available. As always, I love that. And here's the thing. They go into a match against the 49ers who have... 
not a very prolific offense. Certainly they weren't the worst offense in the league, but they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, and they allow 43 points against them. You have had all offseason to prep against this team. They've had uncertainty at quarterbacks and even injury to their running back situation. And their wide receiver, like Debo Samuels, coming off of this year, just had a big injury last year. So they've been really, really not a reason that I don't think the Lions should, should have allowed that many points. But they did. And that's probably a sign that for a lot of games, they're going to be playing from behind and throwing the ball a lot. What we saw this game from Jared Goff, we could be seeing a ton of games. And that is where he attempted 57 passes. And while it wasn't pretty, he threw for 338 yards and three TDs. Um, So honestly, I kind of see that as like that could happen again. It was garbage time stats. 14 of their points came in the last two minutes. But He's got some weapons there. As I mentioned earlier, three different players for them had eight catches, two running backs and one tight end. They still need to develop their wide receiver one because none of their wideouts really were studs. Um, But they got a bunch of young guys. They've got a lot of options there. And when we talk about garbage time stats, hey, if Blake Bortles can throw 30 touchdowns in a season, I think Jared Goff can too. Well, and they got a good tight end. They also got some weapons on wide, you know, wide receivers as far as running backs that catch the ball in the backfield. Swift mm-hmm. is good, and Jamal Williams is very, very good pass catching backs. They have weapons there. Volume play will win you games. Blake Bortles had a year right over 30 touchdown passes. And a guy that you actually talked about earlier, Jamison Winston, um, is a guy that, uh, you know, he would throw three picks, which would force him to have to throw for 400 yards just to play catch up the whole time. And I don't care if it looks pretty. I just care if it gets me numbers. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that's going to get you numbers based on volume. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of Jameis Winston, who we already mentioned it, he threw five touchdowns versus the Packers this week. Jared Goff is playing the Packers next week. So, again, maybe that's a matchup where he kind of has a good game as well. I guess we'll see. But at 93% available, if you're kind of scraping around looking for a quarterback or even maybe just a QB2, which we don't always suggest having two QBs, but he is an option out there you definitely need to consider. Yeah, some of you guys actually play in leagues where you start two quarterbacks. Then you definitely need to look at a guy like him. Oh, for sure. So the number two guy we're going to talk about here, and I said earlier the number one guy was, you know, Goff, but it's number one guy in our subcategory. Certainly not number one guy. Number one guy quarterback-wise was uh, Winston. Uh, The number two guy I want to talk about is Mac Jones there. I'm not going to get much into him. Here's why. Plays the Jets next week. Good matchup. Um, But before we crown him the next Tom Brady, I thought he had a pretty good game there. I think he looked decent for a rookie. I think this guy's got a good future there. But one, it's only been one game. They didn't look great. They still lost the game. He doesn't have a lot of prolific wide receivers around him. And so even though I like the matchup, I'm just not going to go out there and tell you or advise you to take him yet. I want to see one more game, one more week under the belt because I think there's a lot of quality quarterback options that are more secure and safe than him. Once again, look good week one, but didn't look great. They need to develop some more weapons. There's some things that they need to figure out there before we can say, yeah, he's a guy I would lean on at this point. So uh, that was the guy, Mac Jones. And then I want to talk about uh, Carson Wentz. Um, he's a guy that we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, it's weird. His numbers weren't bad. Two touchdowns, 250 yards passing. Um, this guy missed a lot of time because of injuries. So that you have to get timing down, new offense, wide receivers. I actually thought he played okay. I don't think he had a bad outing, but he plays the Rams next week. And so I think Carson Wentz is a guy that you're going to be able to lean on and play and use later in the year. But against the Rams, I'm just not going to go there yet. Once again, there are better quarterback options that you can trust that are more secure. In fact, I think you're about to talk to a guy that a lot of people are going to dismiss after week one, but don't do it. And who's that guy? That's Ben Roethlisberger. He had a bad week one statistically. He really did. But I'm going to tell you right now that you should not hit the panic button. This guy's got some value. For starters, he's been in the league for a while. He's a veteran quarterback. This is not like when a rookie has a bad game and you have to question if he's the next Josh Rosen. 
He's not the next Josh Rosen. He's a guy who is consistently, he's been up there 30-plus touchdowns. He's had 5,000-yard passing seasons. He's had a lot of success. It was one bad game and a very tough matchup. So statistically, here's what he did. He went 18 for 32, 188 yards, and one touchdown to no interception. So again, the no pick there does tell us that while he was fantasy bad, he wasn't necessarily game bad. After all, they did win 23-16 against the Buffalo Bills of all teams. Now, notably, and I want to put this out there, this is a last year's stat, but I think it highlights something you need to see. The Buffalo Bills last season gave up the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. That was despite scoring 30 points per game. Teams were constantly throwing against them, constantly playing from behind, and constantly getting garbage time stats against the Bills, and yet they still gave up the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers Rob, what do you think that tells us about the Bills' defense? Oh, uh, one, it's very good. In fact, you want to know how good they are. Uh, they didn't give up a lot of yards. And one of the, the, the plays that they did give up, you're about to talk about. Yes. Um, it was that the coverage was right on yeah. top of them. Why don't you talk about that play? Yeah, I'll talk about that play in a second. But I'll just say it right now. The Buffalo Bills have one of, if not the best, secondary in the NFL. Everyone is going to struggle against them. And you said it. When you watch, when I watched those plays, it was one of the earlier games, and I got to watch a ton of the plays, partially just because I was interested in paying more attention to it than some of the other games. There was not a lot to watch in that Vikings game. We won't talk about it. Um, but <laughs> so when I watched that, those cornerbacks were all over those wide receivers. I mean, look at the, tr- the Chase Claypool catch that he had. That was a phenomenal catch. He had to catch it sort of around the back of with the defender's arm in the way. It was a very tricky catch, and that really highlighted, like, he had to do that because that's just the cornerbacks were that close to him all game. It was like you could see some of the first few plays, uh, you know, the first quarter, Ben Roethlisberger was being patient. He was waiting for his throws and he does what smart quarterbacks do. I'm going to wait till my wide receivers get open. He never really got open. So he had to just start making it work. But ultimately, they win 23-16 to because they make all three of their field goals and have a defensive touchdown. That is a recipe for a fantasy quarterback that doesn't score points. Nothing in that game helped Ben Roethlisberger's fantasy numbers. In fact, that was probably the toughest fantasy matchup that he is going to have all season. I think from here, it's all uphill from there, whatever the phrase may be. Finally, next week, he plays the the Raiders. Much worse defense. Now, we're recording this Sunday night because we like to get ahead of the curve, and we've seen all but one game this week. The one game we haven't seen does include the Raiders' defense, so we don't know 100% what the Raiders' defense looks like this season. But I will clue you on to this. Last year, the Raiders' defense sucked so bad, they gave up 339 passing yards and two TDs to Drew Locke. That should tell you all you need to know. All right, so I think that wraps up our quarterback section. We're going to get to our running backs next. All right, now getting into the running backs, pretty straightforward here. Unfortunately, there's not quite as many options as there might be at some other positions, but there are a few options, and these options are going to get picked up very fast. Like at wide receiver, you know, come week four, week five of the fantasy season, there's still some options out there. At running back come week four or five, they're gone. Like, they are gone. You think they're gone now and there's not a lot out there now? Please pick these guys up. Don't wait because it's it's like a desert out there. But um, why don't you get us started with the first running back? So the first guy I'm going to talk about, it's not widely available. He's only 20% available. But for one in five of you, he's going to be out there. That's Devin Singletary. This week, there was a healthy scratch for Zach Moss. Another surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't even play him at all. 
Devin Singletary goes out there, 11 carries, 72 yards, has a 6.5 yards per carry. He's got a career 4.8 yards per carry. This is a guy that's been pretty effective, and he's very solid in passing situations. So he's a guy that they can use in all three downs there. He's not a big back, so he's not going to be a workhouse. He's not going to get 25, 30 carries per game, mm-hmm. um, but he is their go-to guy. Right now he's number one guy, and it appears that nothing's going to change that in the near future. So um, Devin Singletary, for one in five, he was a guy that you could pick up and play. He's especially nice in deeper leagues that have flex positions. So that's mm-hmm. one guy for you to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy to consider is Carlos Hyde. Now, he is 84% available. He goes back to, like, the Mark Ingram thing. Are you excited about Carlos Hyde? No, I'm not excited about Carlos Hyde. But you need to add depth to your roster, and you need to at least watch this guy. Hey, one of the reasons we put these videos out there is you may look at your roster this week and say, I'm not going to pick him up. That's perfectly okay. Keep these guys in the back of your mind. Things change from week to week. Guys can get injured at any time. So he had nine carries for 44 yards. That's a fair 4.9 yards per carry. He also caught both of his targets for 14 yards. Ultimately, that was a fair situation there. What really stood out to it, though, was that he got more touches than James Robinson. I am baffled by that. I am confused. I don't know. When they hired this new coaching staff, James Robinson got screwed because he was the man last year, and they just they seemed to want nothing to do with him. Put it out there, by the way, Robinson had five yards per carry and three catches for 29 yards in this game. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it, but again, you can't ignore a guy who had 4.9 yards per carry. He got a little bit of usage on the passing game and in the ground. And they did that even in a game where they lost big time. Again, at one point, they were down 34-7. to Keep your eye on him. He's highly available. And if you're looking for a running back in a deeper league, definitely pick him up. Yeah, a couple years ago, we played in a 16-team league, and I picked up Carlos Hyde as a bench player. And people kind of laughed at me. But sure enough, a couple weeks later, he was getting, you know, 15 carries per game, and he helped me win a couple games. As far as there, maybe Robinson, uh, maybe they decided to sat their stars. It was a blowout, and they decided to to give their talent a rest. But I tell you what, the Jaguars are going to get blowout a lot this year, so I don't know if that's going to change a whole lot. Yeah, it's kind of seemed like, and maybe maybe I'm wrong again. I'm trying to keep track of 16 games, not quite 16, but 14 games at a time. it seemed like they started Hyde early, like they even before that was a loss, even before they were down big, they yeah. were putting Hyde in there. It confuses me, it baffles me, but we've seen a lot of weird things this week. Yeah. Week's not even over, haven't even had the Monday night game, and a lot of strange things have happened. So, you know what, maybe we're just living in the twilight zone, maybe next week we'll get back to normal. So I'm going to talk about a guy that you need to handcuff out there, and that's Tony Pollard running back for Dallas. 47% available, so he is wildly out there. Um, uh, I believe that Zeke is going to have a good year. I think he's going to come back. I think he had a rough week one. I think he's going to be good. I know that you've got a mad crush on the guy quite a bit. But if we're being honest and objective in this, if you look back to last year in game one of this year, Tony Pollard's looked like a more explosive back. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, whether it be injuries or maybe ineffectiveness, you've got to definitely throw this guy on your bench because he's very talented. He's one injury away from being a top 12 running back possibly. So um, Tony Pollard, 40 47% available out there. Pick this guy up, especially Ezekiel owners. All right, two more guys I want to talk about, and we'll bounce back to you. But two guys I want to talk about briefly. One is Tyson Williams, and the other is Le'Veon Bell. Not a lot to say there straightforward. It's just to consider that Baltimore situation. Tyson Williams had been moved up to the starting role, partially due to injury, but we should note that he was leapfrogging a few guys on the depth chart before the injury to J.K. Dobbins even happened and before the Gus Edwards injury. So they were definitely seeing some things they liked. That being said, he's no Dobbins and no Edwards. I, you know, He is a bit of a downgrade. Um, he's, only, he's 22% available. That's somewhat high, but not super high. 
pick him up, pick him up, definitely pick him up. Uh, their game happens tomorrow night. Again, we want to record this Sunday night so we can get this out to you guys and get started on our start sit and everything like that. So we have not seen him play. Pay attention to that. And I'll leave something on the screen right now or whatever, but go follow our TikTok. I'll put a link in the description because I'll be posting updates there if anything happens tomorrow night that you need to be aware of. And then Le'Veon Bell, he was signed to the practice squad but has since been bumped up due to the continued injury issues. They bumped him up now to their regular roster spot. Pay attention to Le'Veon Bell as well. Not that he would likely have a big impact, but it is a possibility and a guy to pay attention to. So I want to talk about my final running back here, Jamal Williams, the third down back or passing back for Detroit Lions. Now he signed there after spending four years with the Packers. And he's only 25% available, but 25% still somewhat available for you out there. Now, I know lots can say, wait, Swift is a starting running back. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's the future of that team, but Williams is too good to sit. The Lions are going to find a way to work him in and get him touches, and they did exactly that today. This is a guy that excels in the passing situations. And the Lions, by the way, will be passing a lot this year. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to throw that ball quite a bit. Today goes on nine carries, 54 yards, a touchdown, eight catches, 56 yards. So he has over 100 total yards and a TD. And this guy proved when he played for the Packers, even with Aaron Jones, who, by the way, is a very good running back, okay, that he had value. In larger leagues, as a flex position and PPR scoring, um, this is a guy that's going to get you points. And once buys start and injuries pile up, which they're coming, they're coming real soon, he's a guy that you're going to be able to start there. So don't overlook Jamal Williams. I actually liked him before today. He's a guy that thought, okay, you're not going to make him your number one or number two guy, but definitely throw him on your bench, and you'll get to start him once or twice this year. So he's a very quality play. All right, I'm going to finish this off with one more running back to consider. I'm going to be honest, I probably won't be picking up based on my roster, but if you really are lacking waiver wire claims or you own Alvin Kamara and you feel a little, you just want to add that handcuff. I know some people are handcuff heavy fantasy owners. Consider Tony Jones Jr. Last year he played a little bit, but this year, looking at that first game, because again, last year he didn't do a whole lot. In that first game, he saw 11 carries for, I believe, 50 yards, somewhere around there. It was a 4.5 yards per carry. It was a solid game, and he had a fair role in that offense. This is, of course, Alvin Kamara's offense, but with how effective the Saints were, he seems to be a very solid handcuff option at this point. So if you want to make a handcuff for Alvin Kamara, that's the guy to handcuff him to, of course, now that Latavius Murray is gone. And if you're not going to, Put him on your watch list and pay attention to him in case Kamara goes down because he did show the ability to be really effective. But that's our running backs. Let's uh, move on to our wide receivers now. All right, so getting into our wide receivers, Rob, why don't you get us started with our first guy? So here's a guy that I like quite a bit, wide receiver for Dolphins. Jalen Waddle, 34% available in leagues. Now, the Dolphins coaching staff, they raved about this guy in preseason. They said, this guy's going to make an immediate impact. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. They thought he was just wonderful. Of course, you hear that a lot from coaches, right? That's coach speak, especially yeah. for rookies. But he comes out today, and he does just that. He does not disappoint. Four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown against a very good Patriots defense and a good secondary there. Former first-round pick, six overall out of a football factory, Alabama. Like, that's just, if you go to Alabama, you go to the pros, right? Like, it just mm -hmm. goes hand in hand. Um, but you want to talk briefly about where he was at in the draft. I know you talked about it briefly before the video as far as him being the sixth wide receiver taken. Yeah, so there's a few things there. One, we talked about pick number five, the Bengals go wide out. And then pick number six, the Dolphins go wide receiver. So I was shocked because both of those teams I felt like, and a lot of people felt like they needed an offensive lineman. And Penny Sewell was this offensive tackle, one of the most highly touted offensive linemen in the last couple of years and we know how important that is. I was shocked to see that they took wide receivers over him. So one, that's got to be a testament to how much they liked him. I was curious if that was maybe a mistake, but both of those guys 
really performed week one. They had good performances. So that's, of course, really exciting to see and a uh, lot to look forward there. Yeah, and I had a dynasty league where I drafted this guy and I had Odell Beckham and I had to sit him because of his injury and I, and I threw this guy in there. Uh, not upset at all. Uh, not even worried about Odell Beckham being out, honestly. Uh, he's a guy that I think uh, I'll probably move on. Not because I'm against Odell Beckham, but in, in that Browns team there, they're a run first team. That's what they're going to build that team on. But let's get back to this guy. Love his talent. Well, and you mentioned, I want to say one more thing. Sorry, I like to interrupt you. I'm great at it. Um, coming from Alabama, there they have produced so many wide receivers. Julio Jones and Devonta Smith, who had a good game there for the Eagles, and I believe Calvin Ridley was from there. And they produce for a, for a team that's known for their like offensive line or their running backs or their defense. Like they probably produce more wide receivers and more wide receiver talent than any other position that they produce talent at. Um, but that's just something I think about. So this is a guy that's uh, in college who's great on punts. He's very quick, sharp cuts. He's a throwing player to watch when he plays. He's got brain-gaping talent, game-breaking talent there. Easy for me to say, right? It's been a long day. Um, he's going to be one of the faster receivers in the game. He doesn't have a lot of size, only 5'10". Oh, that's, that's not small. It's not large, but it's not small. I mean, Odell Beckham's 5'10 there. He's a legitimate outside threat for two reasons. One, he's got speed, but he's also got the ability to jump up. He can win a lot of 50-50 battles. Once again, just like Odell Beckham, able to go up there, uh, get to the peak, attack that ball. He's very good. They talked about a lot of his strengths coming into the league. What were his strengths? Well, one had terrifying speed, very fast, very quick. And there's a difference. You need to study that. There's a difference between being quick and being fast. Well, he's got it both. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of his touchdowns that he had, of his 11 of his, uh, I think, career 20 touchdowns in college, um, 11 of them over 50 yards. So this is a guy that can just, you know, on any play, go the distance. Um, he's really difficult to cover because he has alter his speeds on his routes. Uh, he can just shift gears so quickly. He makes sharp cuts, impossible to stick with on crossing routes because of that. He sells in the double moves. He's very fluid when he comes to his cuts. Like a lot of times when guys will cut, they might be quick, but they take a while to accelerate. Not this guy. He's immediately at full speed. Love watching that. So he's great there. He's got good strength, lower body, so that he's able to uh, fight back strong cornerbacks or defensive backs at the line who want to check him at the line. So he's able to do that. Uh, he adjusts the ball well. Once again, this guy's got everything you want to see in the receiver. The only thing maybe he doesn't have is... You know, if he could be two, three inches taller, but still, uh, besides that, he's got everything. Um, he's a guy that you got to grab, especially in dynasty leagues. If you're in a dynasty league, I can't believe this guy's out there still. He's got to be on your bench, so I'm glad I stashed this dude. Uh, I'm very happy with that pick, and I hope you will too once you pick him up. I know. I was so upset. We're in a dynasty league together, and uh, I had the 11th pick. Um, now, it's kind of it's a so you had the first overall pick, but it's not it's not because you're the worst record. They do draw what the lottery pick for or whatever. So I get the eleventh pick, and uh, I wasn't able to get either of those guys. I wasn't able to get Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or really any of the young talent that I wanted. So I'm really frustrated about that because man, they look good, and it's just one week. But this is their NFL debut. Like that is it. You know they always talk about their welcome to the NFL moments, but it doesn't even really happen anymore. It's more like. You know, here I am NFL moments where they're just stepping up from week one and producing. But uh, another guy. Oh, oh sorry. yeah, just one more thing. Another Dolphins wide receiver out there, since we're talking about the Dolphins, is Devontae Parker. He is 61% available out there. The only problem with him, he's a former first round pick, that he'll just break your heart. He'll look like the first round pick he was drafted to be, mm-hmm. and then he'll just disappear. Um, so for me, my money is more on Waddle, honestly, at this point. But go to your guy. Yeah, so moving on, let's talk about Zach Pascal. Now, he is 99% available. Um, so what I would like to do is if he is already owned in your league, I want to hear what other type of free agents are available. Is that a really large league that you're in or what? But anyways, available for basically everybody out there. And he had a pretty solid week. Five targets, four catches, 43 yards, and an awesome 
two touchdowns. Now, the yardage totals weren't huge, but we already mentioned that. You can't expect a wide receiver to go over 100 yards every game. In fact, I would say that catches and targets are more important than yards. Now, I... What I mean by that, because of course you get more points for the yards, that matters. But when you want to talk about predictability, dependability, and repeatability for fantasy stats, the volume of looks his way and total usage is more important than whether or not he got a lucky breakaway 60-yard catch that then pushes him over 100 or whether or not he didn't do that. Of course, two touchdowns is great. Can't expect him to do that every day. But he had the most targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns amongst the Colts wide receivers and tight ends. He was the guy and seems to have built a really strong rapport with Carson Wentz, who maybe the biggest piece of good news for him is that Carson Wentz looked really good. Quentin Nelson came back. He was healthy and performed well, and so was Carson Wentz, who had a solid or more than solid quarterback rating of 102 in that game. So I love to see that. A lot to look forward to there because you know what? You're only as good as your quarterback at wide receiver. That is simply it. Now, he's not the most fifth, you know, physically gifted wide receiver as far as being the fastest or most insanely talented, but at six foot two, 215 pounds, he's a guy who runs sharp routes and has good hands, and that's really all you need. He is not going to be the next Antonio Brown or the next DeAndre Hopkins, but he's got a role in that offense. And furthermore, here's what I would say. He had a fairly good day. They only scored 16 points, the Colts did. I imagine they are getting into practice this week and they are going to continue tweaking, adjusting, and working to get that offense running even better. And if they can, that's going to mean good things for his fantasy production in the future. All right, so the guy I want to talk about is Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Cardinals. 88% available out there. This is a guy that in his career, he's actually had some big games. He's shown at times he has potential. I think last year he busted out for over 100 yards, three touchdowns. Came out of college with a very good resume. Today he goes out, he has five catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. If you look at his career, like I want to study a little bit of who he is as a wide receiver. His drop percentage for his career is only 4.8%. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Guys have been pretty reliable. Now, he hasn't been great in his career. I think part of the reason why he was stuck behind Fitzgerald and Hopkins. Uh, two future Hall of Famers. So uh, that's always going to put you down that target list a little bit there. But he's a very nice compliment to Hopkins. He's only 26 years old, so he's still young. There's still room for improvement there or growth. As I begin to look at him and study him a little bit, here's what I found. If you look at the first three years that he's been in the league, okay, and I compare it to another wide receiver his first three years in the league, if you look at their stats, their size, style of play, they're almost exact. He reminds me an awful lot of Tyler Lockett. When the first three years was, uh, I guess, decent, not great. But then in year four, he began to take off. In fact, the next three years, Tyler Lockett has averaged 1,025 uh, yards per season and nine touchdowns per season. Today, he goes out lock and gets 100 yards and two touchdowns. So a guy like that at 26, don't cut him out yet. This guy's still got a lot of room to develop. But here's the thing I like. He's surrounded by a very young, talented, developing quarterback there that you got to love. And he's a quarterback that has the ability to buy time in the pocket to extend plays for a guy like Christian Kurt. That's exactly what he needs to be effective. Um, he's also going to see favorable matchups there. If you're a defensive coordinator, um, you're worried about the quarterback running the ball, you're looking at Hopkins, Christian Kirk's not going to see a lot of attention other than maybe one back. He's not going to, somebody's not going to drift over, he's not going to see safety, he's not going to get doubled. Uh, it's just not going to happen there. Now, the downside of it is they do have some weapons, so at times he'll be hit or miss from game to game, but I like Christian Kirk. I think he's a guy that's worth putting on your you know, bench. And we talk about these guys, too. We're not saying that you should get this guy and, and trust he'll be some of your wide receiver three the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely a guy who should be on your bench at some point, so... 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know about this, but I, the speculation coming into this week was, wasn't he going to play more of a slot position role wide receiver than he has in the past? Maybe something like that benefited him. Again, he wasn't my player to research, and so I didn't have the, the ability to look at that. And it's not that important. I think if you're a productive wide receiver, you're going to get it done anywhere over the field. But sometimes those little adjustments make all the difference in the world. Yep. And, you know, he's played the last few years with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, both new to the NFL. They needed to develop as a coach and as a quarterback. So that is also another reason that we could probably look at those stats and say, hey, maybe they're repeatable and we're going to see him continue to play out this season with that level of production. Um, but another situation to look at, and I don't really want to talk about it. I just, for whatever reason, I didn't want to, but we have to. Let's talk about the Jaguars wide receivers. Um, one, that offense looked garbage. They scored 21 points, but it was garbage time points against a bad defense. And I mean a very bad defense. So to be honest with the Jaguars, I'll just be put out there right now, guys. Um, I'm a Vikings fan. We just lost to the Bengals, so... I'm not judging you. I feel you, but your team stinks. <laughs> um, and so does mine, so that's okay. But let's take a look at it. DJ Chark, 33% available, three catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. That's really exciting until you saw that he had 12 targets. <laughs> yeah, and, and the one touchdown that he had, by the way, uh, it was not a great play. It was a broken play. The coverage just totally blew it. He was wide open, and it was just basically a race to the end zone. So it's hard to look at that and say that he made a great play. And if you go back to last year, this guy had a lot of targets too. He wasn't very efficient. We put that, a lot of that on Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to start to wonder after a while if there's more to this. Now that now that there's a new quarterback there and a new coach, yeah, you have to wonder if that's a DJ Chark problem. It looked to be a Gardner Minshew issue. But we'll see what happens next week. We'll see how this trend continues at 33% available. If you've looked at all the other wide receivers we talked about and you didn't like any of them or you don't like any of the other options, he might be worth a stash, but I don't necessarily have huge hopes. Yeah, the one thing I will say, he had 12 targets, which is incredibly high. Um, the targets may not go down that much because I suspect all year long they'll be playing from behind, so volume yeah. will be there. Absolutely. The guy that looked to be the solid number one wideout was Marvin Jones, and he's actually the most available of the Jaguars wide receivers. He's 39% available. Now, he caught five of his nine targets for 77 yards in a touchdown. That's still four targets he didn't catch, which isn't great, but it's significantly better than DJ Chark, for one. And 77 yards and a touchdown is a pretty good day. He did, he did again, for me, look at some, looking at some of the game, just watching it and seeing how things played out, he seemed to be the best receiver there. And I wonder if that trend is going to continue. So if you ask me which guy you would pick up for me, it's going to be Marvin Jones. But you're in a dynasty league. You've got to think that Chenault's the long-term option there, for sure. He's only 19% available, so he's not as available as some of those other options. But 19 is basically one-fifth of all leagues. And if you're looking for a wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault had the best, I guess, catch per target. He caught seven balls on nine targets. He did only have 50 yards and no touchdowns. Now, they also mixed in a lot of other guys like James O'Shaughnessy, James Robinson, and Chris Manhurts. Seems like they want to spread the ball around through two tons of different targets in that offense. But for me, what really concerns me, again, is that offense as a whole struggled. When we look at these guys, Trevor Lawrence did not have a good day, not have a good game. Quarterback rating of 70, a completion percentage of 54. He had just 6.5 yards per play and three interceptions. And next week probably won't be the week for them. Yeah, but you know what? He did go against a very tough Texans defense. Wait, no, no, wait no, a second. I'm sorry. That's right. They're not, not a good defense, are they? <laughs> they're okay, not. Never mind, good... so scratch that. <laughs> that was just mean. That was too far. Oh, they're going to yeah. be offended. <laughs> no, um, but 
And next week might not be the week for them either. Again, we had to talk about them because the numbers were there, but they're going to go against Denver that held the Giants to just 13 total points. So um, next week probably won't be the week. Consider these guys because there were some numbers there. But again, they spread the ball around, man. Chris Manhurst got a touchdown. They, they threw the ball quite a few times to Robinson and James O'Shaughnessy and all three of those guys as a whole. Like, does any one of those guys stand out to you as I can trust them? Yeah, but you do have to watch them. You make a mistake the moment you just cross the guy off your list. I always keep your eye open because you never know what can switch or what can happen. And so that's why we always talk about it. But I'm not excited about any of those guys, but I mm-hmm. won't ignore them either. Absolutely. A few weeks from now, we will know. But right now, we don't. And again, I think you can maybe only hold your breath that it's LaVisca Chenault because at least he's the young guy and there'll be some dynasty value there. But Jaguars working some things out. I guess that's my breakdown. Don't love any of them, but had to bring them up because, you know, there were some numbers there. So the guy I want to talk about is Sterling Shepard. 62% available out there, wide receiver for the Giants. He had a nice game today. He had seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Um, if you actually look at this guy and study, he's had stretch of his career where he's looked very good. Looked like he could become maybe number one wide receiver. But this guy hasn't fully realized his whole potential yet. There's a few reasons why I think that's the case. One, they've had changes at quarterback. Uh, Downton Jones has struggled at quarterback. They've had a new coach, a new system. But probably the biggest reason why he hasn't been able to bring it all together for an entire season is injuries. Uh, the guy's a hard time staying healthy. Three of the last four years, he's only played on average 11 games. He's often played banged up. And so that's going to be hard to get continuity, consistency, stuff like that. Um, he's not a wide receiver that's going to radically change your fantasy team. You're not going to get this guy and suddenly be a contender. But what he will do for you is in the right situation, the right matchup, he can be a very solid wide receiver three fill in for your team. The upside of him, like a lot of teams we've talked about tonight, is it's all about opportunities. It's all about volume. And I think playing for the Giants, they're another team that's going to have to throw the ball an awful lot, and he's going to have that there. He's going to have the volume in there, so the targets will go around. So, Yeah, so that's our wide receivers there. I don't have anything more to break down. Should we? Uh, is there any tight ends you wanted, you wanted to mention briefly before or, or no? Because let's be honest, not a whole lot of waiver wire talent there at tight ends. Maybe the one guy to talk about is the Bears' Colt Met. Um, he had, you know, he had a, he's a guy to consider there. I'm not going to break it down a ton because I'm not a huge fan of him, but the tight end position really is that thin. Uh, I believe he caught four of his five targets for, you know, a fair chunk of yards, didn't find the end zone, but they did struggle in an extremely tough matchup against the Rams. So that is something to consider. And next week could be maybe more of a breakout week for him, right? Furthermore, um, Andy Dalton did exactly what we thought Andy Dalton would do, and that was nothing. So... You know, at the end of the game there, they were using Justin Fields. Maybe next game they use Justin Fields. Maybe they figure some things out. Maybe they're in a better matchup. And boom, that could be a breakout week for Colmet. Keep your eye on him for sure. Furthermore, he was a rookie last year. Didn't have a phenomenal fantasy rookie season. But there was Jimmy Graham there, who I think Jimmy Graham had eight touchdowns or something. It was a really sneaky high touchdown mark. And, and for a rookie tight end developing, that took away from a lot of his volume. And course it's a position we've said a million times before it takes time to develop at tight end this isn't like running back or other positions even though the nfl is allowing rookies to develop and kind of produce faster the tight end position is probably the one exception to that where they're not really having an impact from day one yeah we did you did a video where we broke this down went back uh all the way the history of the tight end the nfl talked about their impact in in the, the one position where it's astonishing how low statistically they are, even the great tight ends of all time came mm-hmm. in and they really didn't have great first years. So if you want to watch, it's in a video a couple years ago. We could take that in the bottom maybe or share that in there. I could, if we could find it. I'm going to leave that for you to do because you mentioned it and I, I don't have the desire to do that. But <laughs> uh, to try to find that. But yeah, you look at 
like one the two greatest tight ends of all time statistically have got to be Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, right? You you could look at those numbers stats wise. That's it for per game yardage and touchdown marks. You really can't argue it. You can argue it from a lot of other perspectives, but so be it. Tony Gonzalez, I'd get him too, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, but yeah. um. But anyways, you take a look at it. Rob Gronkowski, one of the greatest, one of the three or the four greatest tight ends of all time. Oh, my goodness, he's amazing. He had like 500 yards his rookie year, and that is good for a tight end. Like, there were only a few tight ends to go over 500 yards their rookie year. Interestingly enough, one of the few was Evan Ingram, and he's turned out to be quite a bust. So there's a lot of weirdness going on there. But not a whole lot of tight ends to break down. Do you have any more? That was maybe the only one you know, I think I think that's where we're at. Once again, we'll update later in the week. We'll do videos like the week before mm-hmm. or the weekend before a couple of days. We'll probably update injuries, other things like that. Maybe give you some more information, waiver wire and whatnot. But uh, here we are Sunday night. Uh, week one is basically done. I thought it was good to get back. Mm-hmm. It's good to watch football. And you know what? I'm glad that I do fantasy football so that inevitably when my Vikings disappoint me, at least I can watch football and have something else to enjoy. So, Well, not only did we lose to the Bengals, but they made me watch it for longer because they had to lose in overtime. So it was just more pain. Yes. But uh, um, if you guys are going to be streaming kicker or defense this week, leave a comment down below with your options, and I will discuss them with you based on upside or, or downside or whatever it may be and help you find out what you're comfortable for. But as always, we want to thank you so much for watching. Please leave a comment down below so we can get some more interaction, talk some more football. But you guys have a great day, and God bless.